This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Find the best tickets at the best prices for all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows with who, Barry? Seat Geek. Seat Geek. Use promo code HARDNICKSLIFE, all caps, for $20 off your first purchase. It is a hard Nick's life. This is Season 2, Episode 7. In the early 90s, I and many others fell in love with a team that embodied everything our city stood for. The toughness, the heart, the fight. And fists are flying at the other end. Here we go. But we've fallen on hard times, and we went from throwing the punches to taking them. The New York Knicks are irrelevant to basketball. Hey, Ernest, seriously, why are we showing the Knicks? Yes. <laughs> Yet through it all, my commitment hasn't wavered. I watch every game, hoping that one day, just maybe, that team that didn't back down from anybody, that team that shook the garden every time it played, that team that I fell in love with, returns. But until that day, it's a hard Knicks life. Hi, I'm Israel from Spain, and it's a hard Knicks life here too. That was uh, Israel from Spain. I know that's kind of confusing, but listener of ours named Israel live in the hard Knicks life in Spain, Barry. Feel the pain from Spain. Feel the pain from Spain. <laughs> it sounded better in my head before it came out of my mouth. On today's show, Barry, we're going to talk about the schedule that just came out for the Knicks. On that schedule, on this graphic the Knicks released, no Courtney Lee. And he's a little ticked about that. We'll talk about that. We got some poll results from the fans. They chose our starting lineup for opening night. Not that that fucking means anything, Barry, but... But at least we'll have our pulse, our finger on the pulse of uh, where the fans see it. Yeah, we'll see who the fans want to start. We have uh, some new workout videos from the guys. One uh, really boring one from Frank Nilakina. <laughs> we'll talk about that. And uh, we're going to catch up on the latest in the whole Joakim Noah situation with Nick's Film School. JB from Nick's Film School. We actually uh, met him for the first time last night. That's right. We've had him on here before, but uh, yeah, last night was the first time I got to meet him in person. Yeah, Phil Jackson's brain, Barry. He sent you an invite to a little rooftop party. As he did you and some others in um, the Knicks Twitterverse. Some other Knicks-obsessed Twitter personalities. Which I felt pretty honored to be on that list, to be honest. Yeah, there were some people that he were invited that didn't go. He said Ian Begley didn't go. Not surprised. Ian Begley doesn't want to hang out with us, right? <laughs> Mark Berman. Mark Berman, he didn't go. Uh, but who did go, Barry? We had uh, Jonathan Macri went. Yep, Jonathan Macri. Um, uh, JB, like we said, from Knicks Film School. That's right. James Marcina from uh, Locked On Knicks. James Marceda. Marceda. I thought it was going to be a little awkward with him there. Because for some reason, I feel like he's our rival. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no, I look at it like, um, you know, if you think about like the late night talk show hosts of, uh, of this era, you know, like Fallon and Kimmel and Colbert, everybody seems to, to get along and coexist and they, uh, you know, have their followers and, you know. Yeah, you know, sometimes when you're on t- when you're on Twitter, sometimes it feels like you're competing with everybody. But last night made me realize how stupid that is. Exactly, and that's kind of what that whole night was about, and that's kind of what Phil Jackson's brain was preaching. I mean, he's a fan of everybody that he had there, and uh, yeah, he said like everybody, you know, kind of compliments each other, and it's just everybody's there to make everything better, you know. Yeah, we also had uh, Schwinnie Poo there. Never met him. I mean, I never met anyone besides you. <laughs> Schwinnie Poo was there. Yeah. Jeremy Alex uh, Wolf. The coincidence, Alex Wolf. Who else? Is that it? Yeah, that was everybody. And Phil Jackson's brain, the host. He was a lovely host. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Extremely um, gracious and uh, very, very nice guy. Beautiful apartment, beautiful view on the roof. Yep. All right, you were actually there like what? An hour before me? I think like, maybe, yeah, maybe like an hour and a half before you. Um, Sent you in there just to make sure everything was safe. <laughs> Is that what much. it was? Yeah, JB got there right before me. I think me, I'm then, walking into yeah. someone, to a stranger's apartment without someone checking it out first. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, you know, you think we should go? And then, you you know, you had plans already that you had to kind of cut short. Yeah, I had dinner plans. Rare. I mean, I never go out. So for me to have, to be invited to two things on one Saturday night and to go to both of them is beyond rare, dude. <laughs> I'm feeling it today. I feel like absolute shit. <laughs> I drank way too much. Before I even got there, I had like a few beers, a couple margaritas, tacos. Yeah, I could tell. I could you tell could you had. <laughs> you could tell you knocked a few back. Uh, when, you know, before you arrived. How could you tell that? Just when you walked in, I could just tell. You think everyone could tell? That's not a good impression. Uh, no, but I mean, I I know you. <laughs> you know, and I was able to tell. Is it because right when I walked into Phil Jackson's apartment, not Phil. Phil what do I call him? John? <laughs> I can't keep saying yeah, Phil Jackson's brain's apartment. <laughs> I think right when I walked in, and it, it was a ridiculous apartment. Like, the elevator opened up, and you were in there. And I think, I think the first, my, first, my first words to John and you were, were me be, being... I was saying I was scared that this was going was to be a catfish situation. Oh, that's right. Which was <laughs> a little right. uncomfortable. It did have the makings for a horror movie. I mean, again, he was super nice, and everything went great. But it did have the makings for that. You know, this could have been like a, a stalker that's obsessed with all these podcasts and writers that he gets them all to his place and, you know, schmoozes them and winds them and dines them and then right. fucking ties them up, you know, creates his own podcast with all these people <laughs> held captive in his place. Oh. That definitely crossed my mind. But uh, but no, couldn't have been further from the truth. So, Barry, like, I don't know what we can say and what we can't say. I don't want to say something that pisses off Phil Jackson's brain. No, right? he's got like, his anonymity. Do you think that would bother him that you just said that you were worried we could all get, like, tied up? No, well, that was before we got there. It was just, like, the whole premise, the whole idea of everything. Right. No, like, like I said, I mean, he was extremely nice and... Uh, the nicest guy. i have met him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Delightful. Like you, Barry. Yeah, and I mean, he was, like, the orchestrator of getting, like, all these different people who know of each other and are, you know, all basically doing the same type of thing you know, to me, which on other, any other circumstances probably would have never happened. Right, and everyone got along great. It was like he, he assembled a team of Nick's personalities that just gelled. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think we, we ranged, there, there was, I think there was, what, like eight or nine of us um, in total, and we ranged from ages like 22 
to probably, you know, late 40s. Right. It wasn't like we all got there and we were like, what do you think we should do with Joe Keem? Or... <laughs> no, it was, there was a lot of talk about Twitter, interactions with different people on Twitter. And I think I think to James Marceda, I was like, dude, what the hell are you talking about in your podcast right now? Because Barry and I don't know what to do. <laughs> right. There's nothing going on. Right. So speaking of that, while we're on that subject, for those who don't follow us on Twitter and might be wondering where we were last week, we announced on Twitter we're shifting because there's nothing going on. We're going to be doing a podcast every two weeks now, unless something breaking happens. Right, Barry? Then we'll come on and we'll talk about it. But until, what do you think, Barry? Like preseason, probably, we're going to be just doing every other week. So we're on today and two weeks from now will be our next show unless, you know... We fucking trade for Jimmy Butler or stretch Joakim. You know what? Honestly, if we stretch Joakim, I don't think we can do a show about that. So it would have to be big breaking news. Yeah. Yeah. So Barry's thrilled about that because he hates doing the podcast every week. <laughs> like I said, just this time of year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's rough. Thank God we have that party to talk about tonight because then this, this show would be like 12 minutes. <laughs> But we're going to, we got, uh, like we said, we got Nick's Film School, JB from Nick's Film School, coming on later. He'll talk to us a little bit about the party and a little bit about Joe Keem. He's got all the financials down. He really gets it, Barry. So looking forward to that. Yep, he covers all the angles. The, uh, the Nick's schedule was released. A fan on Twitter asked, now that the schedule was released, what do I think their record would be? I'm like, what the fuck do they expect us to do, Barry? Like, go game to game and say if they're going to win or lose? Is that what people do? <laughs> Yeah, that's people do. They kind of look over the schedule. I mean, I think his question was actually like, what is their record going to be going into December? He's probably got the thought in his head that he's decided, uh, this, this person decided that that's when Brzezinkas is coming back. He wanted to know what their record is at that point uh, because that's going to change the rest of the, uh, the, the season, his eyes. And I have that, I have that number. If uh, I don't remember that Twitter handle that asked that question, but you I have my prediction. You went through the schedule? Well, f- October, November. The first two months of the season, there's 23 games, and I've got, I've got my prediction. What are you saying? Uh, 7 and 16. Holy shit. You hit it on the fucking head. That is I absolutely right. And they usually start off good. And, and Barry, I, don't see I, didn't that even, happening this I didn't even need to go game to game. Dude, that, that's exactly what I have. <laughs> and you know what? I actually had, when I first went through it, I actually had them at 6 and 17. I was like, you know what? They're going to pull out at least one win. That's unlikely. I'm going to give them seven. And that's exactly what I have, seven and 16, which is contradictory to what they did the last couple of years starting off hot. But again, I mean, obviously, the, you know, yeah. there's no unicorn <laughs> to start this season. Exactly. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of, compared to the Knicks, and you look at these other teams that they're playing, there's a lot of powerhouses in comparison to that. When you have this many young guys on the team, so many players like under 24, 23, yeah, they're not going to start. System. They're not going to start the season on fire. No, it's going to be really bad. I don't even know if they're going to be seven and sixteen. I'm going to say I'm going to go five and eighteen. All right, mark it down. Mark Let's that see. down, people. Maybe four and so. four and nineteen. <laughs> could be could could be six and seventeen. I don't know. Interesting thing about the schedule being released, Barry on this graphic that the, that the Knicks released, announcing that the schedule was released. With the caption, be there for the future of New York. Right. Who was missing from that graphic? Courtney Lee. Yeah, a starter, you know, if you're going off of last year. The Knicks, yeah, this, this, this image that the Knicks released, schedule unveiled. 
2018-19 schedule unveiled. Be there for the future of New York. You got Cantor. I mean, that Cantor's on there. You got Tim Hardaway Jr., Porzingis, who's not even going to fucking, might not even play this season. Frank Nilakina. Lance Thomas is on there. Barry, Lance front Thomas. And <laughs> front and center. Yeah, front and center taking a jump shot. He takes jump shots. <laughs> Kevin Knox. Dude, Mitchell fucking Robinson is on there. And we're all excited about Mitchell Robinson, but, but it's Mitchell Robinson. Emmanuel Moutier is yeah, on there. I mean, that's the one that would tick me off if I was And then Trey me. Burke there on the bottom. And you know what? I mean, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this graphic. I see a lot of empty space where they could have filled some other players. It's oh, not yeah. like they ran out of room. Right. In the bottom right of it, they've just got like two little kids playing uh, street ball. Yeah, I got like, I have like a skyscraper and then like a ton of sky, you know, just wide right. open. I got a fucking water tower in the back on the other side. Any of those spaces could have been reserved for Courtney Lee. But they just want to do them like that. And he responded to that. He actually commented with yeah, one of those go smiley faces that are crying, like laughing faces. There I go. I'm not exactly sure what that means, Barry, but I get the sense that he wasn't happy. Yeah, a little sarcastic uh, tweet out of there. So, Barry, you're predicting six and seventeen, seven and sixteen. I'm predicting seven and sixteen. Seven and sixteen for the first twenty-three games. I'm going five and eighteen. That's your official prediction. What five and eighteen? Yeah, to I'm going to set a yeah. reminder in my phone. Okay. So that hold on, let's see. Let me just see the schedule. Do you have so to they do play the you last have to, game in November? On you have to set this 28th. reminder while we're doing the show. I don't want to forget. <laughs> All right. All right. So set that up. Vegas is saying that we are going to have 29 and a half wins. That's the, uh, what do they call that for Vegas? The uh, over under? Yeah. Yeah. Over under for the season. Kevin Knox had a rookie photo session today. He thinks everyone is sleeping on the Knicks, Barry. <laughs> Vegas is underrating them at 29 and a half wins, thinks they can get. Maybe 35. Whoa! <laughs> Which is... Bold! Big, yeah. They're really underrating us. Wow. <laughs> Thinks we can get maybe 35 That's... and make a run for the playoffs, which... Wow, so he believes they actually may be able to pull out less than one more win a month than what Vegas predicts. Five and a half more wins, he thinks, possibly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I love the kid, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And all that, but really, what, what, Kevin, what do you know, okay? You haven't played an NBA game yet, all right? Settle down. I love your, you know, and, and you don't have to make a prediction of 35 wins. Just say that they, they don't know what they're talking about. You're going to do better. That's all we need to hear. Don't start quoting, uh, you know, exact predictions. Got some poll results, Barry. The starting five predictions. So this is actually what you wanted the starting five to be, right? Is that how it's phrased? This is. I asked um, the Knicks fans on Twitter. Who they to select the opening night starting lineup for the Knicks? Obviously, no Porzingis. Like, who does everyone want to start for the Knicks on opening night? So we did five polls, one for each position. Point guard position, everyone goes crazy for. Got like over five hundred votes for that. There's still a few days left in these polls, Barry, but I'm just gonna read them because they're probably not gonna change much. It came down to Trey Burke and Frank Nilakina, and uh, ended up being Frank Nilakina. Sixty-one percent of the fans think Frank should start. Thirty-three percent for Trey Burke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very uh, decisive. I want Frank Nilakina to start just because I really like the kid and I think he has a bright future. But I'm also in the camp that, I don't know, Trey Burke is pretty good, too. 
I mean, and ultimately, they're probably going to get the same amount of minutes. You know, so at the end of the day, if one is going to start over the other, you know, how much does it does it really matter? It's probably going to come down to who's gelling with who. You know, if one of them has a better connection that right. Fizdale is able to pick up on, that you know, these two guys just know where they where where each other's at on the floor, and that you know, and that ends up making his decision just because of the rotations. Does it really matter? You know, if they're both getting twenty three right. minutes a game with you know thirty minutes a game. I mean, they're both just gosh, so gosh, different. I hope it's not fucking 23 minutes a game. I can't believe I just said that. That's what they were getting last year. They better be getting 30 minutes a game. Right. They're just so different from each other. I don't know I don't know which way uh, Fizdale's going to go. You go for the future and the defense and the potential, or do you go for someone who just is instant offense is going to create for everyone instantly and consistently? I don't know which way they're going to go. Yeah. But 61% of the fans like Frank there. Shooting guard. I mean, it's pretty easy choice. We don't really have much depth there, Barry. 79% voted for Tim Hardaway Jr. there. Small forward again, 68% for Knox, 23% for Hazonia, 2% for Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee has not commented on that yet. <laughs> By the way, there was a 2% vote for Ron Baker, starting point guard, 4% for Moutier. You're kidding me. This uh, one guy on there, at Guy one responded, who the fuck actually voted for Moutier? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Baker. Oh, Baker is absolutely insane. I could see maybe someone thinking Moutier still has uh, some potential, some untapped potential. Small forward, I said Kevin Knox. Power forward, Mario Hazonia, Barry, 51%. And then we got Ennis Cantor starting center, 66%, Barry. Mitchell Robinson coming in behind him, 31%. So there you have it, folks. That's the Knicks starting lineup for opening night. I think that's actually what it's going to be. Frank, Hardaway Jr., Knox, Hazonia, and Cantor. And that, and, that, and, and that means that two guys lost their starting jobs, which nobody's complaining, but Courtney Lee and Lance Thomas, they lost their starting roles. What do we got next? Got to get this going, dude. Got to get this show cut and out so I can go to sleep, Barry. <laughs> that's what happens when you have tequila... Beer, tequila, tequila, margarita, beer, red wine, fucking bourbon that Schwinnie Poo poured for me. I don't even think I asked for it. I just somehow got handed a thing of bourbon. And Dude, I don't drink bourbon. Yeah, bourbon was going around. I must have been the only one that didn't have any. But I had to keep it light because I was driving. See that Frank Nilakina training video, Barry? Pretty sick. Uh, the five-minute training video? Here, I'm going to play the background. I'm going to play the audio for that training video while we talk about it because, to be honest, it won't get in the way at all because nobody right. said anything. Which is fine. I don't need any, you know, voiceovers or I don't even necessarily need music on a training video. But it would be nice to see something other than some basic layups, you know, going on. Let me tell you something, dude. If Frank struggles this year, he needs a new trainer. Because there is no energy in that training session. Nobody is saying... It's almost as if they were trying to do an entire training session without saying a word. Did you hear anyone say anything ever? Listen to no. this. There's nothing going on. I don't want to listen to it. There's no music. There's no talking. It's in this huge arena with not one person in the stands. 
I know you, you keep harping on that. I'm fine with that. I love the sound of a basketball hitting the floor. I love the sound of the, 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 the sneakers, you know, cutting back and forth on the floor. The sound of the ball, you know, hitting off the backboard. I love all that stuff. I don't need anything else. But, but it lacked, you know, any visual stimulation as well. That's what got me, you know, that, that you know, I, I think I, I watched like three minutes of it. And I'm like, what am I sitting through? You don't think it would be nice to once in a while hear someone be like, yeah, Frank, that's how you do it. Go up strong. That's fine. Nice move. Uh, That's fine. Look, the, how many of these training videos are out there? There's a ton, you know, so who cares? And then at the end, Frank finally showed some emotion. First sounds of the whole video at the end. Did you hear that, Barry? I don't think I lasted that long. <laughs> finally, like four and a half minutes in, Frank's doing this dribble... Uh, exercise that we've seen him do with Chris Brickley. Right. But he's doing it with his other trainer right now, and he gets through whatever number he wants to do of them, like 30, let's say, and he's pumped about it. Yeah! Let's go! Yeah, let's go, Barry. All right. Let's go to uh, JB, coming on from Nick's Film School. Twitter handle, at Nick Film School. JB, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Barry, you want to say hello? What's up, JB? How are you? <laughs> Long time no chat. JB, first off, that party at Phil Jackson's Brains pad last night. How are you feeling today? I feel like shit. <laughs> well, we were the older ones there, right? So it, we had to keep up with the young bloods drinking. But um, yeah, because I took, I took the train back to New Haven. And um, by the time I got you know to Grand Central and got out, it was about 3.30 when my train got to New Haven. So... So yeah, at the family party today, I was feeling a little tired. Any uh, big surprises for you as far as what you were expecting from people or what you were expecting just walking in there? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's funny because in some ways you meet people that you're talking to on Twitter all the time. And at first you're like, yeah, this is nothing what I pictured them like. And then like they start talking and it's not that their voice obviously could match their Twitter voice, but like in a weird way, it sort of does. And then you're like, oh, all right, like, yeah, this makes sense now. Um, but obviously, I, I guess we, we found that Phil Jackson's brain has a, a pretty nice place to host us at, too, that uh, we were all impressed with. So it, it was a good night all around. Yeah, I, was, I went in there thinking, like, I was expecting Phil Jackson's brain to be kind of like, I don't know, like Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> 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 and like a, like a dark studio apartment that we were all just sitting on a couch next to each other eating some chips. And dude, he had one of those apartments that I've always wanted to go into where the elevator opens up and you're in the damn apartment. Yeah, right. No, that's right. If you've been watching that HBO show, Succession, it's, uh, yeah, it felt a little bit like that. Um, but yeah, no, he, he, it was great too because we got to go up on the roof and get a good view uh, you know, of the city and everything. And you guys had told me, right, we, we were talking a little bit in chat before we went. And the other thing is the age, right? Like, we weren't sure how old was everyone going to be. I mean, I had an idea on some of the people, but you never know. You walk in, it's like, oh, so everyone is actually 15 years old except us. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was funny because it was like, we all got in there. And then the question is like, all right, what's kind of the, the icebreaker that we all talk? I mean, one of us sends out a tweet on, you know, Trey Burke or something, and everyone is replying and talking. And now here we are in real person. And it's like, you know, I think at one point I said, you know, guys, it's okay. We don't have to talk about the Knicks. We do that all the time on Twitter. We can talk about other yeah. things. But then everyone wanted to talk Knicks for a while. And um, it was just good. I just, I was just really excited that 
you meet people that again you kind of know who they are on twitter but you don't obviously know in real life and then the idea that everyone is pretty cool and you actually get along really easily like it wasn't very awkward like you know you could have been sitting there and it was really awkward i didn't feel that way i don't know maybe you guys did talking to me but um, you know i just felt like for a group that i'd never met before that you know we we all kind of clicked pretty quick yeah i agree i agree and yeah i mean yeah phil jackson's brain john i <laughs> uh, was yeah super nice um and i mean he was kind of putting it all out there like he didn't know I mean, I know he's listened to us a bunch of times, but you don't really know anything more than that too detailed. So to have us all there with, you know, theoretically a bunch of strangers for the most part, um, you know, he was taking a little bit of a risk, but, uh, but it worked out. And like you said, everybody was really, really chill. What does he do for a living? Is he a motivational speaker or something? It seemed like it. It felt like it. <laughs> yeah, the, the funny part, I guess, for the listeners with uh, motivational speaking, we had a few moments and, you know, again, we were all enjoying our spirits and whatnot where you <laughs> tend to be more kind to each other than maybe you should be. But, um, but yeah, John I've was, never had anyone speak to me like that. Yeah, no, he was great about uh, talking about all of our work and how much he enjoys it and... Um, we just all were feeling good about it. Like, we just need to go there to feel good about ourselves because he, he just did a really great job, you know, <laughs> just kind of talking us up. And He's like our David Fisdale. He really is. He really is. That's probably the best. That's why, yeah, maybe he's got to change from Phil Jackson's brain to uh, Nick's Twitter Fisdale or something like that. I feel actually a little weird talking to JB tonight because we're supposed to wait, like, what is it, three days before calling our dates? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> It was a good time for sure, even though we all got home pretty late. I don't know if some of them, I, I left, when I left, pretty much everyone else left. But then I think a couple guys were going to maybe get some pizza and see what else is going on. So I don't know if the night got more interesting after we left or what. Oh, who was grabbing pizza? Schwinney? Yeah, I think I, well, I heard them talking about it. You know, I walked the other way to go towards the train. But um, I guess I, we should have asked in our little Twitter ch- chat there, <laughs> what, what happened on the meetup after dark there? Right, yeah, Wolf, Schwinney, and uh, Marcita, I think they were heading somewhere uh, afterwards. Yeah, they were all standing there on the outside the apartment, but I was so concerned about the umbrella that I thought I left in, uh, in John's apartment. Then I decided to never go back up there for it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you weren't pulling the George Costanza where you left something there, so you have an excuse to call in a couple of days, or did I just? Barry went up there to get his jacket. Yeah, we got downstairs, <laughs> and then I realized I left my. I brought a rain jacket just because it looked like there was a threat of rain. I didn't want to have to walk in the pouring rain back to my car, so I, you know, I put it in the closet. Well, no, when we first wait a got minute, there. this I didn't see you guys walk out together, but this is starting. The picture's coming together where so one of you forgot the umbrella. The other goes and gets his jacket. Where you did you drape the jacket over Craig because he didn't have his umbrella? Or I guess it wasn't raining too much. It started to sprinkle no, it wasn't for raining. me. It started to sprinkle <laughs> for me though a little bit when I got when I by the time I got to the train station, it was starting to sprinkle on me. It took Barry so long to go back up there to get it the was jacket like the and come back down. The slowest elevator imaginable. <laughs> that I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. It's an umbrella. I'm probably gonna go up there, and John's gonna be like in his pajamas. Yep, so you just went with it. And I already felt like we overstayed our welcome to begin with. So. <laughs> yeah, no, he was very gracious. So uh, if he ends up uh, actually listening to us tonight, uh, thanks again, John. We, we had a great time. Yep, absolutely. Well done. Listen to this, JB. Barry was thinking about bringing his wife to the party. Okay. Which, let's, fa- let's face it, that would have been really Oh, it would have been awful. But, <laughs> but I was like, he was like, I might bring my wife. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. But then I said... If you do bring her, 
we've got to just send her around the party with a microphone interviewing people about how the night's going so we could use it in this show. And Barry just flat out said no. <laughs> Barry, what was, why, why no? Well, look, if I brought her with me to the party, you know, the only reason she would have gone to the party, like she doesn't really care about the Knicks or a bunch of guys talking about the Knicks. You know, I work a lot, you know, so whenever she gets the opportunity to spend time with me, that's what she wants. So if I actually took her to the party and then said, okay, I'm going to hang out. You go around, talk to everybody else other than me, you know, where this is supposed to be our date night. I don't think that would have went over too well. So that's why I wouldn't have done that. Basically, JB, we wanted to get you on here, not just to talk about the party, but you're really in on all the financial stuff with the Knicks. And this news came out last week. There's a rumor that uh, ESPN and Ian Begley are reporting that the Knicks, if they can't find a trade partner for Joaquin before training camp, they're planning on stretching him after September 1st. There's been a lot of negative reaction to that rumor, I think. But what's your take on that whole thing? Yeah, so I mean, and this, I guess, was one of the things we were talking about a little bit last night. Um, you know, I think anytime, you know, these rumors come out from reporters, usually... Um, you know, it's the agents, right, that are driving a lot of this conversation. So, so my take on it is I think this is something that's obviously long been coming. I mean, I don't think any of us expected the Knicks to find a, a trade partner if they weren't really willing to give up any asset along with him. Um, so now we're, what, three weeks away from September 1st, and, you know, this report comes out, and to me the timing is the, the agents essentially um, – starting to create a market, right? So, you know, you want to, to start getting the word out that, look, this is what's going to happen. You know, maybe teams weren't entirely sure. I mean, everyone's plugged in, so I'm sure, you know, people have information, but, you know, it wasn't entirely clear with the Knicks for sure, especially with the new coaching staff. I think if Hornacek was back, everyone would have bet, you know, no, it would not be back. But with the new coaching staff and Fizdale having a reputation to basically be friends with anyone except Marcus All. You know, I think people said, hey, maybe he would stay around. So I think you float this out there three weeks before September. That's your first step to sort of create a market so that when the Knicks do buy him out, um, you know, he, he already might have some places that he wants to go. Those teams can start thinking about that and they can, they can start going that path. And then another point I think John, Jonathan Macker was bringing up last night that's a good point is from the Knicks perspective, if you're talking to a team about okay look we'll, we'll trade noah but the most we're going to attach is i am even i don't even know what to say because i don't want to attach anything so that's why it's like what what could i even say that's realistic but let, let's just say they they said we're going to attach a, a pick that's protected top 20 and then it keeps like rolling over until it turns into like you know two second round picks or something like that Right. And then another, right? And then another, the team says, no, 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 no. But then the news comes out, okay, the Knicks are going to stretch them. And now the team's worried, well, we might not get any asset, right? So now, now maybe the team, those teams have a little more incentive to say before September 1st, hey, all right, if, if you're really going to get rid of them, we're going to get nothing. Maybe we'll take that really watered down asset where before we're kind of playing you know, hardball. So, you know, I think all that stuff is going into it. Okay, and let's say they don't find a trade partner and they do end up waving and stretching. What are the negatives to that? Because I feel like there has been some backlash saying that would be a horrible move. All right, so to me, there's two sides of it. So one is financial, right? So the financial side of it is 
the way it works is September 1st, the reason that date matters is because if you wait till September 1st, his entire 2018-19 salary remains on the books and you only stretch his next year's salary, right? Right, so, which is good. Right, so that's great. So the idea is the, the pro of, of stretching him would be we take $19 million of 2019 cap space and turn it into like six, a little over six. And that's $13 million of extra cap space, which if you look at the Knicks cap situation in 2019 and you start doing some scenarios of, okay, if they renounce Cantor and Hazonia and Moutier, and they basically do all the things within their control, renouncing their expensive free agents, and they waive Lance Thomas, the difference between where they would be in cap space and where they need to be for a max contract might be that magical $13 million amount of stretching Noah. So meaning you wouldn't have to trade Courtney Lee, even though they might still anyways, but you wouldn't have to trade him for an expiring necessarily. Maybe you trade him for a player you like that makes a little bit less, but he's, you know, a player you like on a roster. So right. th that's what it does on the financial side. So I think the reason people don't like the move in September, I think it's more about timing. They're saying, well, okay. we could do everything I just said on july 2nd when we know for sure if a superstar is going to sign for the knicks or not so why essentially why rush it and pay the cost that you might now have to have a cap hit over three years so while you save the money in 2019 the next two years you have six and a half million you have to pay why do that when there's no pressing need to do it wait until the scenario presents itself that says okay Kyrie Irving is saying, create the space and I will come. And then you say, okay, I'll make one last call around the league to see if anyone wants to trade for him. Now that there's another year ticked off his contract, maybe it's a little easier to move him. And if not, then I'll stretch him. I think that's the main reason why people are upset is the timing. But again, that's all, that's all the financial side. I think, I guess the next thing to talk about is the non-financial side of it isn't just about salary cap. It's about he is on your roster, and it apparently, um, even with Fizdale there, it doesn't appear he's someone they, they value highly to be in the locker room around the young players. He didn't exactly have a good run with Hornacek last year, so I'm sure that plays into it. And, you know, I think the thing I will say is that I think this front office is, is doing a good job. Like, even we saw a little bit with um, Troy Williams. I think that whole situation where he played in a summer league like a ton more than you would have expected was them probably working with him to say, you know, you probably don't have a, a, a good spot on the roster here. We're looking to do other things, but we'll make sure we showcase you in a summer league. And then hopefully that helps your value, you know, when you sign somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. I actually think that's the only reason he played in summer league. Yeah, right. And I think with Noah, now remember, the Knicks could easily leak things out right? Like, again, back to what, what reports come out, they could easily put something out there that says, you know, it turns out Hornacek wasn't the only problem with knowing a locker room. There was other issues or whatever they want to make it look better for them to want to get rid of them, rid of him. They're not doing that. And I think that is something that a good organization does. They don't burn a bridge they realize other players will see how you treat players. This is a big difference from how it was with Carmelo Anthony when Phil Jackson was, you know, was the 
head in charge, even though Steve Mills was there too, maybe he learned from that situation. He's like, I'm not, I'm going to treat this different. So I think the Knicks probably feel like they don't want, there are other veterans they prefer on the team to, uh, around these young guys and Noah, but they're not going to explicitly say that because they want to, again, be a respectable organization that the players like while also, you know, making a move they think will help their locker room. Right. I mean, is Joakim Noah worth the risk? We all know he's on the uh, on the downside of his career. He hasn't really done anything since he's been here. He's in. He's been injured a lot. I mean, I don't see. I don't see the risk. Per, I don't think it makes sense to have him around this team all year, just for the hopes that what he he does play better than he has. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't yeah, seem to make just, sense. Right. It's just, again, I guess it, it's that financial side. And that's the problem is what you're weighing uh, like a qualitative thing with a quantitative thing. Everyone can see the cap hit and they say they're, you know, a lot of people are pulling out their hair. Like, why would you do that when you, you're going to cost yourself when maybe you don't need to? But what value do you place on, like you're saying, that risk of him around the locker room? And again, this is where we just don't know as fans, right? Like, who, who the hell knows? Like, some people could say he's the perfect guy to mentor guys like Mitchell Robinson. Like, you know, maybe he just had this one isolated event with Hornacek and it's nothing more. I mean, that's the that's a problem. We don't know the whole situation. Yeah, but I'm I think you I think, I think you see it. I think you see it totally right. I think, you know, it's essentially you know, whether it's coming from Mills or Perry, or they're both looking at it together. They see this ticking time bomb that's sitting in the middle of the room. Why let it sit there not knowing if it's going to go off if you could just get it out of there? And the other thing and the other thing with stretching him after September 1st, way before maybe we have to, is that maybe, in, maybe Perry and Mills know something. They must be very confident that they are going to be able to sign one of these Max guys. So if you, like if they really are that confident, then there's no reason to not do it as soon as you can and give that roster spot to someone who you, you see a possible future with. Well, yeah, that's the other key, is that you are creating another roster spot. That can't be overlooked. So, you know, what that player does in his place, the value that that, that player brings, you know, you, you have to weigh that too. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I think I, am, I feel pretty confident that the front office has information that we don't obviously have about how Noah will fit in that locker room. And if they wave him at that point, because I don't think it's like one, another reason you'd wave him early is the player might have incentive to give back more money in a buyout because he wants to go somewhere else rather than spend another year sitting on the bench. So you could argue maybe Noah gives back a few extra million dollars because if he sits out a whole nother year, that that, you know, why, why would he want to do that? That's part of it. But I, I really think if they do it early, it's because they know he's not the person they want uh, in that locker room. For whatever the reason is, we don't know other than the Hornacek situation. But, um, but yeah, I think that's just what it is. All right, JB, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll call you in like, I think, 72 hours. <laughs> that's cool. As long as I don't get a you up text in like an hour to do uh, part two of the pod, uh, we're good. <laughs> So, guys, that's going to do it for the show today. Thanks to uh, JB from Nick's Film School. Thanks to Phil Jackson's brain, right, Barry? Extra extra special thank you for uh, not only bringing everybody together, but uh, just for being uh, a nice, quality guy. Great guy. Thanks to all those guys we hung out with. Everyone was great. 
You can reach out to us. It's a hardnickslife at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at hardnickslife. You can call us, right, Barry? If you want to get your Hard Nick's Life statement at the top of our show, call us. That's right. 516. There you go. 30. Give, give him the number. Let me. <laughs> Stop Do stepping it. on me. 516-33-MESH-1. Barry, we got two weeks till the next show. What are you going to be doing? Um, I am actually going to be on a cruise in like three days. What? I had no idea you were yeah. going on a cruise. Where I to? I know. I'm sailing out of New York to Bermuda, like a four-day, four-night cruise. Who's that with? Uh, with the, my family. Hold on Just, a second, uh, My dude. wife and the kids. You said your, your wife was going to come because she needs to spend more time with you because you work so much? Right. You're going on a cruise in three days? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll be with each other, you know, 24-7 for a few days. But up until that point, I mean, I, I work crazy hours, man. So she right. she takes away she can get. Are you, have you done? I've never been she... on a cruise. Is that fun? Oh, dude, I, I love it. All right, Barry, well, have a good cruise. Thanks, dude. What about you? You got anything uh, planned next no. couple of weeks? Okay. Nothing. You know what? Honestly, I'm not good. I mean, I'm good for the next six months as far as socializing. Yeah, that, that got you through. That's right. Yeah. You're like basically like two nights out and one. Right. That's enough talking to, to people for a while for me. Yeah. It's bad enough I have to talk to you every other week. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time, it is a hard Nick's life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.